0: This podcast may contain strong language.
1: That professionalism seems like a punishment to these guys because they're so used to just having things the wrong way and having no accountability. Peace.
2: After yesterday, I do not see a way back for this guy.
0: I've heard he was run out of Everton because he was hated. Let's move on. We tried it, it didn't work. Fuck him off. Let's go.
3: Abiola, when I roll with a geezer, is it me or the lifestyle, sweetheart? My name's Tom Paisley, and welcome to Not Another Arsenal Podcast. Uh, I'm introducing uh, two new voices to the pod today. First of all, I'm introing Chris. How you doing, Chris?
4: I'm all right, man. You? You sure you're all right? Yeah, I'm all right. Positive? (laughs) I've had better days, but after last night, we have to be positive.
3: Keeping the spirits high. And introducing Sim. How you doing, Sim? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad, Tom. Thanks for having me on. Not used to
1: this format, so I'm a bit of a a virgin when it comes to this, so so be easy with me.
3: Hey, take it easy. I thought it would be good to intro how you feel about Arsenal at the moment, but by way of a song that you think is fitting of your feeling around Arsenal, the club, the players, or just your love for the club at the moment. Um, I'll start with you, Sim. What's your choice?
1: My one is um, Beanie Siegel and Jay Z. I still got love for you. Um, it's pretty much what it says on the tin, really. They put us through pain. As football fans, I suppose we're customers. We're select, like group, like base of customer that will always come back, no matter how bad we're treated by those that we we're we getting we're getting something from. So yeah. Still got love for you. Gonna suffer forever, but we're still coming back. We're still gonna watch the next game, even though we say we're not. So yeah, we're suckers for love. That could have been another
3: tune. To me. <laughs> <laughs> a whole playlist. Yeah. How about you, Chris?
4: Um, there's a track I heard recently. Um, it's a new track. It's called um Scatterbrain, and the chorus says, "I got reasons, million reasons, why you're gonna die," and I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like right now, with everything that's going on, there are a million reasons why our club is unfortunately dying. Yeah. that is my track um, hopefully we can resume it, but
3: <laughs> I mean we might have to end it there I feel like it's, <laughs> it's all <laughs> ready to give up I've gone for um, a track by J. Cole no role models because I feel like that's pretty much our squad in the dressing room and on the pitch at the moment and I love the line don't save us we don't want to be saved and I feel like that's Arsenal Arteta the board the whole thing
5: she don't wanna be saved not save her she don't wanna be saved don't save her she don't wanna be saved don't save her she do wanna, wanna be saved no role models and i'm here right now no role models to speaker. to search it through my memory my memory i couldn't find one Last so
3: i thought first of all post match feelings what was the feeling that you each had As soon as the whistle blew, after the 95th minute, all the subs had been made. How did you feel at that moment?
4: I felt frustrated. I felt let down. Villarreal were there for the taking. Yeah, I just felt very let down. Very disappointed.
1: Literally, was that it? I was sitting there and I felt like the effort that the players put in, they could have probably played another half hour. Apart from Tierney, who probably left it all on the pitch. Apart from... Emil Smith Rowe, who left it all on the pitch. Everybody else, they hardly put the effort in that you'd think or expect from a semi uh, in in a semi final, European semi final. So I'm sitting there thinking, literally, was that it? Was all the build up from the week, for all the build up from the first leg, blagging the penalty. It's like the players didn't realise, like the game that they were in. Um, they didn't realise the importance of it. It could have saved our season. And I was just literally <laughs> just looking at the screen, thinking, wow. I can't believe I just might look forward to this, and that's the effort that they put in.
3: Dejected and just empty. Yeah, it just it felt very flat, and we could use that to describe most of our season, if we're honest. But that felt even more sour. Yeah. Seeing as the how important this game was, this is the was the most important to, game of the season to date, and yet it's we still all had that feeling, and um, that was quite frustrating. I wanted to go straight to the team selection.
1: Well, I, it was the first, like you said, the questions were whether Saka was actually going to play left-back or not and Shaka was going to be moved back into midfield. Um, but then we realised that that wasn't going to be the case. Um, I didn't see the updates on the injury. So when I actually got in the room and I saw, uh, it went to straight to kick-off, um, I saw Tierney was there, so I was a bit confused. But I can't complain with the lineup as such. It was kind of to be expected. Um, we know that Arteta is going to play Shaka at left back for as long as he was going to be fit, just for continuity's sake. Until Tierney was fully, fully back to being fit, instead of chucking him in the deep end, I don't agree with Shaka being left back. I think that's one of the sticking points in my gripes with with, with Arteta. I don't like it. it. It doesn't make sense. It worked against Sheffield United because Sheffield United have no threat on the right wing, um, and they're a poor team, so it's okay to have a deep line playmaker out wide, who's going to get cover from the, the, the centre mid that's drifting out. But it, that was the only game that was ever going to work. And the fact that he persisted with it was was a bit of a problem. But in terms of in isolation, just looking at yesterday, I think Arteta is in a situation where he's damned if he does and he's damned if he don't. And that's because of his own doing, because he kept chopping and changing. So now he's, he's, he's worked his way into this situation where he can't really field anything else. So, um yeah.
4: I thought when we signed Cedric, it was because he's versatile enough to play left back as well as right back. So again, I know we're going to speak about the manager a lot later, but it seems like I don't know, maybe personal things between the players and the manager. I, I don't know, but people just suddenly get dropped and you don't you don't really see them appear again. For me, the lineup, I wasn't sure what formation we were playing. I wasn't happy to see Odegaard play as well as um, Smith-Rowe. For me, it's one or the other. So I was a bit disappointed with that, as well as Holding starting. Although he had a good game, Gabriel should be starting and you need either Luis or um, Mary starting along with Gabriel because otherwise there's no consistency, which is another
3: problem. It's interesting. You said that Manchester United at the moment are about to play four games in seven days so you there there, we can expect rotation to happen but to the extent that we have as much as we're often trying to guess who's even going to be playing and what the plan is who's our first 11 um has been quite frequent i think that was one of the things that surprised me when i first saw the the lineup was that hang on a minute we've got odegaard playing we've got emma smith rowe who have both been playing in a 10 but then we've got pepe who's been playing wide but then we've also got saka But then we've also got Bellerin in the side. The most peculiar thing about it all was the fact that it's a semi-final and it's the second leg and it's at home and we need to win. Um, So the team selection made sense, but the the change of formation that players had to get used to seemed a little bit strange to me.
1: You can see they're learning as they're playing. They're not quite familiar with it because they're doing things that they wouldn't usually do. Odegaard, one thing about Odegaard is he's always looking for a forward option. Yeah, but so many times yesterday, you can see they're second guessing himself because he's going back. He's going back on his left. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Or he's he's bottling a free ball. Aubameyang's making a run, or he's pointed to where he wants it, and that's what Odegaard is there for, and that's what he usually does. That's what he provides. That's what we want him in a team for. And yesterday, he just kept turning back because they're second guessing himself. They're too busy worrying about the positional play that whatever they're trying to, whatever positional play they're trying to work on in training they're worried about that rather than taking on their man and doing the thing that they know is going to affect change of the game.
0: Welcome to the O2 messaging service.
4: The person you are calling is unable to take your call. Please leave your message after the tone.
5: To re-record your message, key hash at any time.
2: After yesterday, I do not see a way back for this guy. I think he is too passive. I think he doesn't possess the skill level to manage a team such as Arsenal. If any Arsenal supporters still trust in this process, please tell me what evidence you've seen to, 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 to warrant this. <laughs> we only needed to score one goal. One goal. He took off our main goal for it. Absolute nonsense. We need to be a little bit ruthless, say thank you for the time. You've won your FA Cup. Good night. We need a a bigger, better manager with more experience. I like Arteta. I think he's got the
1: right ideas. He wants to implement the right sort of football. And he's learnt from the best, you know. He's played under Wenger. He's learnt from Pep. But you then can't forgive the stupid decisions he makes. Is it coming from
0: him? Is it coming from the club? Then I look at his backroom staff. Is there enough experience there? Are they giving him support? You know, Steve Rounds in there as the assistant, but... I've heard he was run out of Everton because he was hated him now coming in is a surprise to most in in football because of our players and other coaches disliked him you know ultimately this this fish is rotten from
1: the head down, and we've had twenty years you know fifteen twenty years of people not caring and um, I think cronkies need to go and we need to look forward from there.
5: been in our apologist. Off the rip. Like, I've, I've been a fan of his. He won the FA Cup. He won the Community Shield. I'm like, what I tell you, boys? You know, it's lit. Pep told you he's up next. After this Europa shit? Nah, I mean, if he gets got, that's fine. If he stays in the yard, I'm also okay with that. But the honeymoon is over. You feel me? Like, he's made too many mistakes. He trusts William way too much. Why the fuck you bringing Willian on? You know what I mean? Sir Alex Ferguson said Moyes was next, and that didn't work out. So maybe when Pep said Mikel Arteta's next, he is. But, like, maybe he needs some more time. Maybe he needs to learn. Maybe he needs to go to, you know, Real Sociedad, build up that resume a little bit. Because... It just seems like when it comes to making lineup changes, yo, my dude is weak. And if he gets fired tomorrow or sacked, as y'all like to say, I'm fine with it. If he gets another year, I'm fine with it. But dude is under pressure. I need to see some shit. No more apologizing for my guy. You need to do some shit, Mikel Arteta.
3: I just want to read a couple of stats. Two shots on target from open play from for Arsenal against Villarreal in two hours and 10 minutes of play. On top of that uh, are... Arsenal have won uh, none of their last five matches at the Emirates. That's two draws and three losses. And we've just scored two goals in all of those five games. What, were your, what was your take on the performance itself?
4: It didn't make sense. It just, it really didn't make sense. You know, you would think that we're the, we're the team who are winning. Um, there was no urgency. I mean, my girlfriend, she doesn't watch football, but I guarantee you she was in charge of this team. You know, put an extra striker on and there would have been some urgency. You know, the team looked lost and they were very sloppy. It just seemed like they were not bothered, unfortunately.
1: Not much to add to that, other than I think
4: the players that we
1: have, I, I really question their professionalism. Loving the club doesn't come into it. It's a job for most of these guys, right? So we can't talk about loving the club or all that, but you'd expect them to understand that the horrible, horrible performances they've put in this season, that's put us in the situation that we're in, there was a chance to almost wipe the slate clean by getting to the final, at least with a chance of winning the European trophy. There was so much importance on yesterday's game. If you look at the the importance of the game and match it up with the performance, the two just just don't tally. Like, there was, at most, I can understand if you're not used to playing a certain way. So I can understand... Like, in a pass. I can understand, like, just passing, you're expecting your man to be there, but he's not there because he doesn't know he's supposed to be there. I can accept that. What I can't accept is the the lack of intensity. Even in the 80th minute and going into the 90th minute, going into injury time, they're still passing back to the centre backs. Nobody was lobbing the ball. There was no urgency. There was only one uh, Pepe, it was Pepe, who was urging the team to lob it in. You can see he's using his hands. He's, he, he's telling them to, like, lob it forward. Whenever he got the ball, he's whipping it in the box. The players need to take the flak as well because he can't get in there and light the fire up. I mean, he has to in the changing room, but it's up to them. And if they, if they need that from their gaffer in a European semi-final after the fact that you've absolutely bottled the league, if you still need someone to put fire up you, then I'm sorry. you, you got no place playing football.
4: You see, you saying that... It just makes me think that a number of the players have just lost faith in the manager anyway, or they you know there's some sort of this like there's something going on behind the scenes, you know. Can I can I,
1: can I just add to that, Chris? Because the this a lot 80% of these players have now got two managers sat, let's say. Because some most of them was playing under Benga. a lot of them were playing under Emery, right? But one thing's for sure that the old habits really do die hard in terms of, it, there's no one setting a standard. So they've come in and it has been easy to the point where Arteta seems like he's a disciplinarian because he's he's demanding some professionalism. Like professionalism seems like a punishment to these guys because they're so used to just having things their own way and having no accountability. So I don't think there is anything going on behind the scenes. I think they fully back the manager. I just think that these guys need to be shipped on and they need to find a new challenge. It's as simple as that. Their time with asked has come to an end.
3: There was a time when uh, there there was a few players that were seen as a disruptive group. Um, It was talked about that there might be kind of a mentality that actually, if I just wait it out, I will outlive the manager. It happened at Chelsea under Mourinho. Do you think there's any element of that? 100%. I I think that's a a possibility, definitely. We failed to score in 10 home matches. When you're the players that have, have seen us fail to score on so many occasions, there must be an aspect of you as a player that almost sees it coming. It's almost like I, we, that thought where you feel like, we're never going to score today. The players must be feeling this on the pitch. There was just that feeling that started to creep in that maybe this isn't our day. And that sometimes is all it takes, especially if there isn't any hope and there isn't any kind of fire lit under you by your manager. I'm going to move from the team performance and now just look at players. Standouts across the leg. Just one little shout out to a player. Over the two leg. Rob Holding had the most shots for Arsenal with four. Were there any players to you that stood out in the game over the two legs? No, no one stood out. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm, I, we're talking about the, the two legs, right? Yeah. So no, like, none of them stood out. I think we got to get past this point of congratulating players for the bare minimum. I think Emil Smith-Rowe, like I said, he, he tried as hard as Pepe. They tried, you can see the effort there. It was the minimum requirement and it looks even better because the others weren't doing it. The only positive I can draw from this is that pain can teach these kids the pain that they felt from yesterday will get the nerves that that will prepare them for the next time they get into semi-finals and the next time they get into crunch games or dare we even dream of being in a, in a, in a title challenge in the next two or three years Do you know what i'm saying when it, when the pressure's on they'll have that pain to look back on and and and, and not want to feel that again the, 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 everyone everyone has to learn from failure right and that's just the young players the older players they seem to be comfortable with it and they don't seem to care yeah so yeah but in, in terms of your original question no
4: no one stood out for me out of everyone, if I had to pick someone, it would be Smithrow. And you could see he was he was fighting to try and make something happen. First leg, we tried something new. Yesterday, we tried something, a throwback from ages ago. The energy levels, the tempo, the urgency, the you know, these are men. They they must know, you know, we need to we need to turn things around here. And none of them seemed
3: of it is first what I found the most frustrating about that is looking at those younger players and start to question do they are, are they confident are they confident in the in the instructions that are given to them I know
1: as a manager you live and die by the output of your staff but mm. at the same time it's a European semi-final if this was just like game week 25 in, in the prem, then, mm. yeah, you can be like, why, why aren't your players kind of, like, up for it? You're supposed to, like, fire them up, fair enough. But you need no more motivation than a European, a chance to get into a European final after you've absolutely car crashed your, your, your domestic league, mm. Like, There's no more motivation that, that's required. And if you need more, then you, you need to find the door first. OK, I'm going to keep this short
0: and sweet. Arteta out. (laughs) It's his time to go, mate. I was even shocked to see that I didn't wake up to a notification saying that he was fired this morning. But I don't blame the team. I blame management. Like, I'm ashamed to say it, but I'm not surprised we lost. It's just
3: embarrassing. Like, we're embarrassing. But I'm so used to the disappointment, and that's actually saying a lot about the team.
2: Last night was a joke. We didn't deserve to go through, considering we only had, like, four shots on target. That just goes to show, Arteta Needs to hold someone to blame, because I feel he could have done certain things different. But we've got bigger problems. The owner. Since the Cronkies have taken ownership in two, since 2011, the club hasn't progressed under their custodianship. They need to sell. There's no two ways about it. They need to sell. There's just no coming back now. We need a new, a new direction, new ownership, new management, a new recruitment policy. Because everything right now is just rotten to the core. And I just can't see it getting any better if the Cronkies still remain in charge. So for me, first and foremost, we just need to get the owners out and then we can start on working on the rest.
0: The only good thing about Mikhail fucking Arteta is his hairline, which is pretty elite. But as a football manager, he is fucking shit. He's a coward. A cowardly, disgusting football manager. How we are even contemplating letting a man that has presided over our worst season in 30 years, let him have a rebuild is absolutely unbelievable, and he had the audacity to even put it on Wenger, saying about oh, it's been happening the last five fucking years last five years, we have not been 10th scored what? 40 goals in a fucking season 40 goals, that is ridiculous 10 games this season, we haven't scored at home, against Villarreal, we had two shots on target, in a semi-final and he had the audacity to say he's now going to be ruthless with his squad, this club needs to be ruthless if this club was fucking ruthless, he would be out on his fucking ear, down Superdrug buying more air gel He's a shitter. Get him out the fucking club. Let's move on. We tried it. It didn't work. Fuck him off. Let's go.
3: Well, that takes us nicely to the man of the hour. On performance itself, where do you see Arteta at this this moment in time? I'd
1: say that I think the easy thing would be to mention inexperience, but that's something that I've really, do you know what, I've never used as an excuse uh, when it comes to analysing what Arteta does, simply because experienced managers make mistakes too. Experienced managers overthink things. Experienced managers uh, get the tactics wrong on the day. I won't put it down to that, but what I will say is over the two legs, it's driven home. He's not decisive enough and he comes across as someone that is very decisive. He comes across as someone that has a lot of conviction in in what he does i know that this is not all of his own players but the fact that he has chopped and changed question his ability to and to, to 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 identify weaknesses in opposition It's good to prepare that's one thing that we always moaned about under benge there were certain things that he just didn't prepare for in games but there there comes a level where you have to prepare but still try and accentuate your your powers your strengths throughout his time at arsenal in-game management has been a a, a lump in the throat, so to speak. It's not just about the late subs. He started the game wrong, and I feel like he's so within himself and so arrogant, he doesn't actually want to change it until either the players are absolutely on the red zone on the pitch and they're flat out. I don't actually know what drives his decisions, but it comes too late and the nature of them as well, that it's almost like for like. And I mean, making a sub in the 91st minute when you need a goal, come on i think he's i think his number twos need to be brought in line as well because this is what they're there for so coaching staff arteta and the coaching staff as a whole they all need to be questioned yeah
3: it's, it's, a, it's a good point you raised there about the coaching staff around you because one of the issues that um was seen with arsene wenger was around the fact that because of his successes a lot of the people around him um tended to agree and he had a lot of yes men now it feels in a sense that we're we're in a similar situation with arteta where as a, as a fledgling young coach with, with no experience, um, apart from being an assistant at one of the uh, Europe's best sides under arguably one of the world's best managers, aside from that experience, none uh, as, a, as a first team coach or indeed as a manager at a football club. When you have that, it feels as if, especially when you have someone inexperienced coming in and stepping into a role, often in, in any other business structure, You would have experienced people around you to guide and give you advice in the times when you are unsure, especially when it comes to dealing with egos, when there are uh, the inevitable arguments that happen within changing rooms and disagreements that happen within them uh, between the big characters that you tend to get in in a Premier League changing room. And, And it just seems as if the coaching staff that we have are almost tailored around, again, another set of young coaches that have come in with Arteta that are all there, basically happy to be there and are all proving themselves. At Arsenal Football Club, we've brought in a very inexperienced manager and failed to bring in experienced people around him to help him deal with the Guendouzi situation because you've got a a, a youngster that has disciplinary issues or to deal with the Torreira situation where someone's homesick and you can't really get a game out of them or the fact that your captain has been late time after time after time to the point you have to drop him before a North London derby. Those are big issues to deal with on your own without any experience you have to make a call which arteta seemed to do very early on with his um, non-negotiables this is what i expect from my players but then we've also seen him be a bit more lax on some of those non-negotiables what do you think that that speaks to as as the squad and and how arteta's done sorry i feel i feel quite strongly about this um i didn't quite
1: buy into the fact that uh, these guys were yes men as such i mean they could have been um, and we know that Wenger didn't really like to be uh, tested as such. He didn't like to be challenged, which is why he got Ian Wright out early, for example, which is why Keown came and was sorting out the defence that that took us to the final, Champions League final. But then he absolutely got ostracised after that and then he left the club. But I don't think that they were yes-men. I think the reason why they were there so long is because what they knew was kind of working. What you mentioned was what I was going to mention, which is the fact that with Alex Ferguson, the reason why he was always able to uh, regenerate his team and and come back again and 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 hold titles is because he constantly changed his number two and he would constantly delegate. That's something Wenger didn't want. Wenger wanted his hands in everything. He wanted to be involved in all departments. So I think there's no wonder that most of Alex Ferguson's number twos have all gone on to manage. I think Mike Phelan might be the only one, but when it wasn't my feeling, it was McLaren. When it wasn't Steve McLaren, it was Carlos Quiroz. When it wasn't Carlos Quiroz, it was Rene Milstein. All of them went on to manage. That reinforces the fact that you mentioned as well, is that Ferguson wasn't involved in the training. He would walk around, he'd oversee, but it was the, the number twos that was taking all the training sessions. And then he'd come in and make the key decisions on game day. And, and he'd see and he'd ask who's performing, who's looking good. And then he'd choose the team pretty much. So obviously he did more, but it, it, the kind of gist of it, yeah. right? I don't think that uh, Arteta's coaching staff are inexperienced. He's got Steve Round, who's who's been in football for a long time. So how good are these yeah. guys? I mean, the set piece guy, we were looking good on set pieces at first, but we've kind of fallen away again. Uh, we even had a format for throwing. That's gone out the window now. They have to they have to be pulled into question as well.
4: Yeah, I think that inexperience speaks volumes, especially like with dealing who say someone like Bamiang. I remember reading something about um, Alex Ferguson and um, one of the players was saying that Cantona was allowed to come in whatever clothes he wants. Ferguson wanted everyone suited and booted, but Cantona could come in whatever clothes he wants because he feels like if that's what's gonna get the best out of him, then he will make her blight. I don't even necessarily think that is that is right but it might be a way of allowing a player to flourish in in a certain way can i
1: can i just say i I disagree with um the idea that we should let one get away with something and 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 the other get uh, just in 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 personal life and and football pretty much drives personal life i'll be honest like i (laughs) i i I compare a lot of stuff to football having played it at a decent level and it's like i can relate anything to football right but my own team. I don't mean a team as in football. I'm talking about work. I, I wouldn't let one get away with something. Or, or as a manager, it's everybody has to toe the line. Everybody has to to come in line. I'm not going to allow someone to have headphones, for example, and then the other person, yeah, you can have headphones, mate, because I know you do your work. So, like, I don't mind you listening to stuff while you work, while you're doing. It, it can't run. It has to be uniform. So I agree with that. And and this is what I mean by prof- small amounts of professionalism seeming like a punishment to these guys. Because mm-hmm. they are so, like unprofessional, and so just just so way out of touch. There's no one of the the, the talent of Cantona in the team to even give a blight to. Do you know what I mean? So even if there was a, a, a Cantona or even better, even a, a Burkham, I'm st- they still have to toe the line. Unfortunately, like I agree with that side when it comes to, to Arteta, and I don't think it's something you can introduce over time. If mm-hmm. anybody is uh, that manages anything, it, it workwise or personal. If you try and instill stuff gradually later on and get more strict later on, it's it's not going to work. You have to set your stool out immediately so people
3: know where they stand immediately. You can't then switch. It's good points you both bring up about um, Arteta and setting out his, um, his standards early on. And I guess I just wanted to bring it back to a point. What for both of you has been the positives that Arteta, I guess, has brought, um, but also what has stood out to you the most as being the most damaging thing that um Arsenal have have suffered under his his leadership as manager.
4: Um his style of play um comes straight to mind. I can't recall like a game where I thought, oh, we're playing really good attacking football. Um so that that is one thing. Um what I did like is that at first he seemed to like take full responsibility and account for for everything. You know, he seemed like, listen, I'm the manager here. This is my club. You know, I'm doing this, that, and the other, like, you know, the butt kind of falls with me. And he showed great leadership. And it's for me, it slowly started to decline. And I don't know. I just think he, he, he didn't manage the situation as well. So, yeah, I can't think of many other positives maybe maybe if you say something Simeon it might ring a bell in my head but right now I can't think of any
1: all of the positives that I'm going to say are also going to be the negatives it's going to be the reverse because I feel like he's undone all of the good things that he instilled um, mm. so the positives when he came in he provided structure we looked like we knew what we was doing mm. Even and even in the first part of this season I could see what he was trying to do I could see that Look, we, we need someone in the half spaces. We need a number ten. So I could live with it for the fact that we were having we were, we were killing teams with possession, but we just had no teeth. I knew that there was someone that need that needed to be in the half spaces to 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 create space to to look forward. And then we got that Boxing Day, and then we started to see that for the next two months, like we st- we actually started to create so many chances. We were having like four or five chances a half, which seems like a lot in comparison to. To, to what we were living through the beginning of this season and under Emery. And now the negatives, it's 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 exactly the same thing. We no longer have the structure. We no longer have uh, an attractive way of playing. We no longer create chances. <laughs> the man management's poor because a rejuvenated Pepe is now getting benched for no reason. So he rejuvenated players. And then, yeah, the negative was that his man management was poor. I've just seen that uh, Willock scored for Newcastle. Um, so yeah I thought I'd add that <laughs> but um, yeah so improving players was something that was a positive for me and again the negative is that he, he he's managed to see these players they, they've regressed under him at the same time so it's so hard I, I don't know how we've got here I, I can't tell
3: you how we've got to this point yeah. but he's undone all of his good work. How important do you think it is for a manager to clearly explain in his post-match evaluation the performance that has just happened for us as fans and for players?
1: For fans, it's important. For players, not so much, because half the time, what's said publicly isn't what's said private. In terms of the analysis of the games, I'm not worried about how it affects players because I know that aside from what's in public, what goes on in the changing room and what's said in the changing room could be totally different. So he could be protecting his players, for example. Um, he could be could be mind games or do you know what I mean it's it's totally separate but for fans that's all we have to go by so when we're seeing them say that we deserve to win and every fan is feeling like they can't even be mad at coming out of the Europa League because they didn't deserve to win it it, it throws the fans into it throws the fans
3: into disarray do you not think also though as a player if you have been playing in a game where you might feel that the instructions weren't clear enough or we just don't feel like we're going to win it, and then you hear the manager say, "Yeah, I think we deserve to win. I think we outplayed them." In, in any other scenario, the amount of times I've been in, a, in an office setting or in a marketing or an advertising meeting, and someone said, "Yeah, this is what we're, this is what we're going to do for the pitch," or "This is the plan for a certain scenario," and then things haven't gone to plan, and they and they come back to the rest of the team or send a company wide email and go, oh, "Yeah, this is what's happened." When really you're like. That's a load of rubbish i have no respect for this man for anything he says because he's <laughs> just making up absolute bollock to save face or to do x y and z and then it's, it's really difficult to sit there in a one-to-one or in another meeting with that person again because the respect is gone there are times when that happens in our lives where i've just uh, where you sit there and think you're you're a waste man you're you're an absolute fool and yet i've got to sit here and grin and go yeah yeah, yeah. i hope you get sacked i really do hope you get sacked because there is no reason why you should be standing in that position and there's no reason that you should be my superior when you clearly are absolutely clueless. I'm not saying that everyone's saying about that that about Arteta, but there must be a point, especially in some, maybe more of the senior players' minds, that really? This man's going to tell me to, to press and play in this way against this opposition? When I have played in this, this scenario before and I've played under Klopp, Klopp wouldn't have said that. Or Lacazette says, hang on a minute, I wasn't doing this in France. Why am I doing this in the Premier League? Or players think of, do you know what, Arsene Wenger for all his faults would never have told me to do that. Do you not think that any of those thoughts would even crop up to, to these players after they see a pre- press conference where... I'll take your minds back to earlier on in the season when uh, post-match, this was in uh, in December, and Arteta's press conference... I-, I can't even read the quote because it's as nonsensical to read out as it was when he said it. And his words were, last year we won against Everton with a 25% chance of winning and one 3-2. Then last weekend it was a 67% chance of winning in any Premier League game in history. And then a 9% chance of losing and you lose. And then 3%, 3% against Burnley and you lose. This was the manager of Arsenal Football Club in a post-match conference, reeling out pie in the sky numbers. He's not really protecting the players at this point because now it feels like he's saving his own graces. He's, it's, 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 that's his ego speaking. And as soon as a manager brings his ego to the fore and that's who's speaking to the press and is speaking outwardly, you are not being respected for who you are you're not thinking about the players anymore. It becomes about you as an individual. It it seems as if that's part of Arteta's personality. And in those little moments, those little cracks, you start to see the points that, hang on a minute, are you, are you all right? Are you okay? (laughs) Are you, who are you proving yourself to? Is this, was that for like dad at home or to the bully at school that once told you you will never be a manager? Who is is this for? Because it's not for the players. It's not for the board. They don't care about this stuff. you just start to come across like you are you almost seem as if you're that person that is seeing it all crumble and will absolutely fight to say that it's not your fault but then oh as a player who else is there to blame i've never had a problem back to the back to the arrogance i've never had a problem with a man being arrogant
1: You, you need to i think there's a thin line like between confidence and arrogance and again even if you're arrogant i don't mind it if you're good at what you do but i see what you're saying like it's starting to creep in and it's become all about him because to start with it kind of was all about him he was the inexperienced guy who everyone's blown smoke up his ass that he's gonna be this and that and he's gonna be this kind of manager and so yeah like I fully believe that he like believes his own hype well he needs to believe his own hype but yeah it's creeping in it's creeping out into the public in the wrong way so I fully and I never thought of it like that so you've opened my eyes to think in that way but yeah I see it and I believe it as well do you know what I mean? It's become all about him. And yeah, he's not even trying to absorb it to distract from the players. It's literally, he's trying to prove to everybody that when he was sitting in the dugout with, uh, with Wenger and when he was next, to, when he was next to, to Pep, that everybody was telling him he was going to be good. Like, I need to prove this. I need to prove this.
2: Yep, Arteta needs to leave and he needs to leave today. He's just basically abandoned Abandoned all the the fact that he keeps on chopping and changing. The players look a bit confused. They lack a bit of confidence. They're not playing how they used to. I think the messages for the players to, to get used to what they need to know on the pitch when it matters is not working. And for that, I think Atta needs to go. And we need someone with, with a bit more experience.
5: Yo, Matter of fact, let me say one more thing. Uh, again, back to Alexis. I'm sure you guys know who I am just based off the accent. But uh, yo, when we got rid of Emmy, that's when it fell apart. I don't know whose decision it was to sell Emmy and to keep burned uh, Leno, or whatever dude's name is, burned, burned my guy. No offense. Good goalkeeper. You ain't it. Emmy, very clearly the heart and soul. There was something about him. There was something about how the team rallied around him. There was something about how everybody wanted to win because he was there. There was something about getting him those clean sheets. There was something about his energy. There was something about his ability to get people going, his ability to get that back line to be cohesive. All of that. Something about Emmy. When he left, the soul of this team left, the gumption of this team left, the ability to, to pull it all together, the ability to not quit. Think about that run we had post COVID, right? Come on, I'm telling you. Emmy, that was it. That was all of it. It's all still Arteta's fault. Don't get me wrong. Arteta fucked up, all right? I'm just saying. Emmy. We needed Emmy back, man. Not Burn Leno. Man's got men's missing a fucking vowel in his name. Burned? Get out of town.
3: Just, I guess, kind of closing thoughts. Is he someone that you think can do that for next season? Turn it around Mm -hmm. as an inexperienced manager. Just a quick thought on both of you. First of you, Tim. Um, Only if
1: he ignores the little man on his shoulder that's telling him to do stupid things like rotate unnecessarily. If he goes back to the format in which he rejuvenated us and and, and saved his job, then if he goes back to that format, then yes, he can and it will be easier to do if we're playing once a week and having the FA Cup or Carabao Cup to contend with, then we can definitely improve on the league finish this year and possibly push for a top six finish. So, yes, I think that if he does do that, he can. But he has to improve on, on a number
4: of things.
3: And you, Chris? Mm. He needs to look deep,
4: deep inside of himself. I'm thinking... <laughs> deep. He's got. He, what what way does he want us to play? What is our identity? He needs to. He needs to come with some conclusions and 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 set that out and not be so wishy washy and changing up. Um, you know, life's got many turns, so it's not impossible. He could. He could lead us to something, I guess. But the likelihood for me after yesterday, I doubt it. I hope he does. But I doubt it.
1: Could I just add as well, I forgot to say that I think circumstances are in his favour in terms of the fact that some players' years are coming to an end. Some players is one foot out the door already. Um, A lot of the work that needed to be done was done in January uh, and the summer before. And this is just going to be a continuation of that, plus the the, the few additions that we need. So I think circumstances are in his favour. He just has to make the right
3: choices. What a great point to to wrap up on. At least there's a few glimmers of hope, if not disappointment (laughs) that this season has been. But there's always hope. There's always hope on the horizon.
1: There's always hope. There's always a way out. There's always a solution. Can I I just mention that there's three Arsenal fans that have been talking about Arsenal and we've not mentioned Martinelli once. I'm so shocked. (laughs) I'm so shocked. We didn't mention Martinelli. I was expecting... He's treating a Martinelli, but yeah, Martinelli's on everybody's tongue. So I'll just shocked
3: that we didn't mention it. So that's... Right, we'll leave it there, lads. Um, thanks. This has been not another Arsenal podcast. I've been Tom Paisley, also known as the Arsenal Tom. I want to say thanks to Chris.
4: Um, yeah, it's been a great podcast. And um yeah, you can catch me on Instagram at Crispy and Blaze Photography. Hopefully Arsenal can make their way back up from the league.
1: Yeah, no, thanks for having me, Tom. Hopefully jump on again soon. It's always nice to talk about Arsenal and uh, seek counselling in numbers. <laughs> it's, it's a little group therapy session <laughs> yeah. for
3: us all that I think we all we all need. We just I'll write down the invoice and we can send it over to Stan <laughs> <Kaki> himself. <laughs> Oh, dear. All right. We'll have a good one. See you later on. Take care. Bye. See you soon.